Welcome to the Queer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Elise, and each week I'll be interviewing a queer person about their experiences in fitness and sports. This week, I talked to Kyle Bosch, a drag performer and runner. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. When you support this podcast on Patreon, you are helping make this labor of love a long-lasting one. The first goal covers monthly audiophile hosting and transcription costs, and you get access to Patreon-only perks like bonus content from every episode. Support the show at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod. Introduce yourself, your name, your queer identity, and any other words or hobbies, whatever, to describe you. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, my name is Kyle Bosch. My pronouns are they and them. And I like to identify as a uh, non-binary femme. And my hobbies include long walks on the beach. Um, yeah. Um, my hobbies, I guess, would be... Or what you're up to. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What I'm up to. Um, well, running was a really huge part of my life until I injured myself this summer. Um, but I'm on the road to recovery, trying to get back into that. Um, and I've been doing drag for a number of years, um, but have just made some space in my life to dive a little bit deeper into that. I was just crowned Mr. Merry Christmas 2019. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, I, I, during my Monday to Friday life, uh, I'm an inner city social worker and what else do I do? I'm in school. What are you studying? What are you studying in school? I'm finishing my degree in criminology. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, always about 5 million things on the go. I like to say that I kind of exist on like the verge of being just too busy. Um, but like not too busy that I can't, you know, keep my shit together. So <laughs> I like to have a full life. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Since you talked about drag and you were crowned, um, could you talk mm-hmm. about how you got into doing drag and how that started and your your journey since then, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I've mentioned before about how drag was really like my gateway drug to, to fitness as a tool to connect myself with my body. Um, and yeah, in 2000, I think it was in 2012. Um, I just moved back to Edmonton from Calgary um, I had just been like sober for about a year and was really starting to come to understand myself as, well, I didn't understand that I was, um, a non-binary person. I just knew that my assigned gender at birth didn't fit with how I felt about myself. Um, and I had been thinking for a long time when I was down in Calgary, um, I got a yoga teacher training certification and I had been thinking for a long time about like combining movement and kind of exploring gender and kind of how we settle in the body and all that kind of stuff. And I saw uh, an ad come up on Facebook for 
this workshop series called movement in the gendered body. And I was like, this is perfect. I can go to this thing. I can incorporate all of my like physical fitness practices and it's going to be great. And so I got there and, um, it was not what I thought it was going to be at all. It actually turned out to be, um, uh, someone who's now my friend. Uh, they were doing some research on, um, drag king culture and they were working on their PhD in drag king culture and they wanted to create this workshop with the hopes of forming a drag troupe. Oh, so, yeah. Um, and that was really the first place that I had met other non-binary people. Um, I didn't, had never heard of that concept before. I had never even knew that that was an option and I was really, really struggling with, um, gender identity stuff at that time. So, um, that really became my first uh, outlet and um, experience with, like, a meeting other people who felt similarly about the way that they existed in their bodies, um, and b meeting folks who used movement as a way to kind of like explore that and kind of like flush that out within their own selves and then reconnect with their bodies again. Um, so yeah, this workshop went on, I think it was like a six week workshop or an eight week workshop or something. And, um, from that we formed a drag troupe, uh, called Queer Royale. And, um, yeah, we are no longer performing as a troupe, unfortunately. Um, and my, my two beloved drag daddies have moved to back to the States, um, where one of them was from. They got married. So cute. <laughs> uh, to each other. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So cute. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, so I continued performing, um, very casually. Um, I always had an, a million side projects on the go and was in school and, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, now that things have settled down a little bit, I have been, it's been really in the back of my mind for the last year to start doing drag more regularly and take it a little bit more seriously, but of course still having fun because I can never take anything too seriously. Um, yeah. And so now here I am today. Can we talk about like being sober in queer spaces about how that like interacts with your drag performances or you know, where are these, cause you, yeah. yeah, you mentioned a, a family or like a kid friendly, say the name, oh, yeah. what, what you're doing tonight. You said a kid, yeah. something like that. Yeah. 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 There's, um, there's a group of folks that put on, um, it's called the dragging youth series, um, which is really awesome. I think I've only been to one of their shows before, but, um, yeah, that's really great. I'm, I'm excited to, to perform for that one. Um, being sober in queer spaces. Uh, I mean, being, being sober, like I've been sober for nearly a decade and being like a sober human in general, um, is an interesting thing to navigate. Um, and I don't know if I would say, especially in queer spaces, because I mean, primarily I just have the experience of it being in queer spaces. So I can't really speak from the perspective of a non-queer person. Sure. Um, but from my perspective as a queer person and navigating a lot of different spaces at different points of my sobriety, um, there's definitely been times where I haven't been as engaged in the queer community because um, some of the events being um, 
either really focused around drinking or drinking played a heavy part or there was other substances. Um, it just didn't feel like a, not that it was like unsafe, but most times I can only really go to places where there's a lot of drinking for like an hour, two hours tops, if I've got a good reason to be there. Um, and then I just kind of get exhausted from the energy as people continue to get progressively and progressively more intoxicated. And then I just end up having to, to go. So, um, I would really like to, um, there's some, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? There's two groups right now in Alberta that I know of that, um, they're not queer specific, um, but they're working to create, um, like more safe and inclusive spaces for, folks who don't drink and for folks who don't use substances or for people who are like sober or sober curious, I guess, as they say. Um, so I would really like to try to work with them more to put on some more, um, substance free drag opportunities that are maybe not family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. Like family friendly ones are great. Uh, and I love them and they're so important. Like it's so, so important to, um, I used to do a lot of work with queer youth and like giving queer youth that opportunity to like engage and perform and perform and explore gender and, and all different sorts of aspects of their identities and all that kind of stuff is super, super important. Um, but we also need like adult spaces. <laughs> um, cause my drag is really like strippery. Yeah. <laughs> strippery. I do a lot of stripper drag, um, not at family friendly events though. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, all that is to say that, um, yeah, one of the things that I would like to work on over this next year would be creating more of those, um, 18 plus spaces where, um, where they are dry events. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned both yoga and running, and like yeah. these have been like significant points in your life. What has sort of been your your fitness journey overall? Did you start out doing, you know, team sports as a kid? What is sort of like the overall? And tell me more about yoga and running, I guess, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so running, um, my parents put me in. Uh, my parents put well. First, they tried to put me in ballet when I was like five, and then I got picked on in kindergarten by some like older kids and so my dad pulled me out of ballet and put me in karate and then I basically just like grew up in the dojo doing like combat sports and stuff for most of my adolescent years um until I found alcohol and just threw all of that away to get drunk all the time uh and then I got sober and then that changed but anyways um but one thing that I was really into on my own that I always found a natural pull towards was running. Um, I was like in the running club from like grade one, um, up, up until I decided that it just wasn't cool anymore. And again, I wanted to go get drunk and throw that all away. Um, but when I got sober, I got really back into running again. Um, and like I mentioned, like, um, you know, I had got my yoga teacher training um, certification when I was in Calgary, which is where I got sober. And that was really part of like a spiritual kind of path for me. And then once I moved back to Edmonton and connected with that drag troupe and was starting to like 
connect more with myself. I really turned to fitness um, and primarily running um, as that like means of like actually being able to be present in my body without feeling like hella dysphoric, which was kind of a cool and nice thing. Um, and I started, I think it was in like 2013, I ran my first 10 K race. Um, and then I just started, I just dug right in. I really love endurance running. I love going fast and going far. And, um, I ran my first marathon this past May, which was really awesome. Um, and it became running became like a really, really important piece of my mental health and wellness. Uh, in addition to it being something that my, that I really liked, um, to engage with when I wanted to feel present in my body. Um, yeah. And then I got injured <laughs> as a result of like running for so many years. I have a torn the meniscus in my right knee, um, and this last summer I had to take off. It was the first summer I've taken off of running since 2013. Um, yeah. And so I've had to really start exploring other ways of moving my body that still felt, um, good and fulfilling and allowed me to feel like connected with myself and nothing has really, uh, been able to live up to what it feels like to, run 25 kilometers or, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at right now with all that. Cool. Coming out as non-binary, how did that really like shift your fitness goals and, you know, sort of, or change your goals, change what you wanted from fitness or did you just, just keep running? <laughs> <laughs> um, or yeah. that, or that running felt different because you were in an identity. I don't know. Or you, you that, that last, that last statement, I think actually really resonates, um, with me. Um, so I really struggled with, uh, an eating disorder growing up. And I think, I mean, I, I don't want to spend too many, too much time speculating as to why that was. Um, but I do think that a lot of it had to do with, um, with the fact that I felt so uncomfortable in my skin and I just didn't know why. And that was like one thing that I could control to at least make me feel a little bit more like I had control over my body and what was, what was happening, you know? Um, and for the longest time I engaged in fitness as a way to, um, as a way to support that disordered thinking and that disordered relationship that I had with my body and with food. Um, and I think that, like the first time that I like really said out loud to more than just myself that I was like, like stated, like, not just like, I think maybe I'm, I'm queer. Maybe I, I don't know. Like the first time I was like, no, like I'm actually, I'm queer. I'm a queer person. I am not straight, um, was in treatment. Um, so I think that like getting sober, along around the same time that I started to understand myself as a queer person. And then later on coming to understand myself as a non-binary person. Um, that's a lot of, a lot of shifting and a lot of healing my mind and my body in different ways. Um, and I don't know if it was necessarily 
coming to understand my queer identity uh, or getting sober and healing a lot of those pieces of myself and a lot of the trauma in my life and um, and like working through a lot of the things that come with addiction that allow me to shift um, my approach to fitness from from shrinking and controlling my body to celebrating what my body could do. Um, I, I couldn't say, you know, which one came first, whether, or what, what influenced that more, whether it was the recovery or, um, you know, understanding my identity a little bit more. Or just, a, or just a combination. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably a combination of both of those things, but that statement of like, like actually like being able to like, like fitness felt different and it feels different for me now. Um, largely I think in part because, um, you know, I'm able to actually understand my, uh, my identity a little bit more, uh, what gender feels like for me, uh, what it feels like to be in my body. Uh, and then also, you know, recovering from, um, or being in recovery from like addiction and eating disorder related things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It all kind of plays together for sure. That's a good question. Yeah. What you're goals in general or fitness goals are for the new year and maybe even the new decade if you're thinking that far ahead yeah um okay (laughs) well first of all um I really want to spend a lot of the next couple of months I'm I'm my plan is to uh really start engaging in a lot of really intense physiotherapy for my knee um I just, I can't go the rest of my life not being able to run as far as, or as fast as I have been accustomed to. Uh, and running is just such um, a core piece of, it's become a core piece of my identity as well. Um, that I just, I, I have to do it. And I'm, I'm willing to go to whatever lengths that I need to, to make that part of my, my life again. Um, with all of that being said, uh, I'm also pregnant, so congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so sorting out, which like brings up so many things in like the realm of gender and all that kind of stuff. So um, my uh, my fitness goals also need to be considerate of what it means to move through pregnancy while still allowing me to do the things that I know that I need to do to like feel good and okay in my body. Um, yeah. Cause like, I mean, looking at me, obviously I'm, well, maybe not obviously I feel like it's obvious, but, um, I'm a very like femme presenting person. I get misgendered all the time. Femme invisibility is a real thing. Um, and I know that that's just going to increase the more obviously pregnant I become. Um, so, you know, being able to rely on fitness the way that I do to like make me feel like, okay, and at home and my body is going to become really important. Um, yeah. And then, gosh, I don't even know the decade, a, de- <laughs> a decade. So a much has changed time. in the past decade. So, so much has yeah. changed in the past decade. Like, 10 years ago, I wasn't even a sober human yet. I was just like wild and partying and putting lots of crazy substances into my body and just not even like I was like a floating head. 
wasn't even me, you know? So who knows what will happen in 10 years? I will be 45 years old. I have no idea what my body is going to be doing at that point and what it's going to be. And there's, you know, a kid running around too. And there'll be a kid, yeah. at least, at least one <laughs> running around. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that like all of that is to say, I really want to, the one thing that I do want to continue doing is working on healing um though those pieces of that disordered relationship with food in my body that still cling on um because every time i think that i've that i've like unfurled it something new comes up or i become alerted to a way of thinking that i had never that i didn't even think was there something really deep seated some kind you know like like we live in a fat phobic society and at, at every human being will constantly be needing to undo what that means um, to themselves for, I think, as long as we continue to live in that society. Um, and like, yeah, that's, that's real. Um, and yeah, I just really want to continue working on challenging those ideas and undoing those ideas within my own self. And, um, especially as I, uh, you know, move into parenthood and how I communicate those things to my child as they grow up. Uh, cause I th think 90% of what I learned about, the value of my body came from what I watched happen with my parents, uh, especially my mother. Um, so I really want to commit my fitness goals to being reflective of challenging those things and questioning those things and just keep on, on working on what it means to, to exist in this body in a, in a, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, in a peaceful way, in a strong and peaceful and powerful way. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for asking me. I love it. I love being on podcast. This is so fun. This episode of the Queer Fitness Podcast is sponsored by our Patreon. When you support this podcast on Patreon, you are helping make this labor of love a long-lasting one. The first goal covers monthly audiophile hosting and transcription costs. And you get access to Patreon-only perks like bonus content from every episode. Support the show at patreon.com slash queerfitnesspod.